0: Henrikus, the executive director of Sisters in Crime, and I am delighted to welcome Sarah Buley to the podcast today. For decades, Sarah worked as a playwright and freelance writer. She won several awards, including being the first woman to win the McLaren Comedy Prize, a comedy playwriting award. Her first book, Eden Burning, was released in April 2023. Frozen Eden, book two of the Eden County Mysteries, will be released in the spring of 2024. Sarah, welcome to the
1: podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: (laughs) You have a background in writing, but I'm going to ask you what I ask folks um, on this podcast as our opening question. When did you say to yourself, I want to write a book?
1: Ah, well, I was, I'm trying to think about that. (laughs) Um, I think that I kind of, started with the idea uh probably about 30 years ago and i wrote something that was book length and that i knew wasn't you know great but that I, I was, it gave me the chance to actually work on something. Mm-hmm. And so I have this, you know, this book that will probably never see the light of day. <laughs> that, um, you know, that I really enjoyed trying to write like a, in a book format as opposed to a short story or an article or a play. Um, at that point in time, I had written, oh, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 plays. And um, and so I was kind of toying with the idea. But then um, about 10 years after that, I started toying with the idea of writing a mystery because I love mysteries. And uh, I finally kind of fell into an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, and in 2012, uh, I found out about the malice, uh, domestic, well, actually it was 2011. I found out about the malice domestic competition where you send in the first three chapters of a potential book (laughs) and, um, and you know, they have a grant that they give. And so I thought, well, let me do this. I mean, I got nothing to lose and, but I wouldn't let anybody read it. Um, my friends said, well, can we read it before you send it? And I was like, no, no one's going to read it. Um, I'm going to send it off. And that way, if it's really awful, no one will ever see it except the judges on that <laughs> that grant committee. And I didn't want anyone else seeing it until I knew whether or not it was any good. And I won the grant. And so I thought, okay, well, it must be pretty good then because, you know, I, I won the grant. And I used the uh, grant money to go to the Writers Police Academy, mm-hmm. which at that time was in Greenville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful. That was just this tremendous experience of going and being with other writers And at the same time, also having all of these professionals in law enforcement and emergency services and of every kind, you know, firemen and, you know, it was just wonderful. Uh, And getting to hear them all, you know, going Mm -hmm. to talks that they did and, you know, having the experience of learning how these things worked was just tremendous for me and it gave me some ideas in terms of you know how to proceed with writing a book and then you know 10 years later I actually finished the book (laughs) and (laughs) and uh but what was very nice was that um Harriet Wasserman Sackler at Level Best had read the first three chapters and and I had met her when I went to Malice to accept the grant award. And every couple of years, she'd send me an email and say, did you finish the book? And I'd write back, not yet. And then she happened, it happened to be, it coincided about the same time she wrote me and said, did you finish the book? And I said, yeah, I did. And she said, would you let me read it? And I said, sure. And I sent it off to her and uh, she liked it. And so she offered me a three book contract and here we are. I'm, you know, working, uh, trying, getting into the point of finishing book two and book one has been out. And so it's, it's been a good experience.
0: Well, let's, because um, publishing journeys and writing journeys are two separate journeys, but I want to back up a little bit because when I asked about writing a book, I said that you wrote other things and you mentioned that you wrote plays. So yes. so talk to me about your, your writing path in general. Like, you know, was, were plays your first foray
1: or, or what started you out? Um, well, when I was a kid, I wrote some short stories and um, ha- I've had a few Short. I've had a handful of short stories published in, you know, some college magazines. And then I had one in a magazine called uh, The Sun that's out of North Carolina. Um, North Carolina seems to work nicely for me. And uh, so, uh but I started writing plays probably in high school. And I think a lot of it was because I... When I write, I hear the voices, and I've always been fascinated by voices. I love listening to different people. Uh, I love the rhythms of speech and how they're varied, and so it was fun for me to to kind of cast the play in my head and then write it hearing the voices, and I loved that, and I was— I was apparently successful at doing that. Um, I actually had someone at one point who said that they had taken my play apart and put the lines of dialogue on different pages and went through it and realized that each character had a different word choice and a rhythm mm-hmm. and all of these things. And they said it was very evident to them that I was hearing something specific when I wrote each of the characters. And I said, well, that's, that's cool because I was, <laughs> and I'm glad that it's coming through in the writing. Um, and so when I would work on things, uh, well, back in the, in the days when I, I started writing play, when I was writing plays, like in my twenties and thirties, I was runner. And so one of the things I would do when I'd go out and do my runs is I would run scenes in my head. I would have the characters talk to each other and I would just kind of play with ideas. And it was a way of, you know, kind of focusing as I was writing and at the same time entertaining myself. So I wasn't at all bored with the running. Uh Eventually, I ran a couple of marathons even and but it was always always that I could hear the voices I knew what the people looked like I knew you know how they sounded where they were from all, a lot of things about them and so that was just how I worked I I think also because I worked full time during all of those years so I only wrote at nights and on weekends what one of the things that I did was I worked out plots and problems and all of these things in my head. So when I sat down to write, I had it pretty much all worked out. And it was just a matter then of letting them talk to each other and kind of transcribing what they were saying. And yeah. I, I really, I loved that process. And I've realized that I still work things out in my head a lot, even though now I only work half time deliberately so I could write books because I, you know, Full time and and writing novels for me was just not working out very well, <laughs> uh, you know. And I couldn't take ten years for every book, so I decided I'd I'd better give myself more time. And um, but I still do the same thing. It's like when I sit down to write, most of the time I kind of know I know what the scene is. I know you know what the setting is and who's going to be there. But a lot of times now, because I'm I'm working more on, you know, on the page, I don't know where the scene's going. And so I'm just, I'm kind of seeing it and hearing it and writing it. And so, especially in this book, it's been very interesting. The second book, it, I for, I had a chapter where I had two two characters who go to the home of a third character. And I knew it was going to be a confrontational sort of thing. And I wrote it Four times and deleted it four times, <laughs> and then realized uh, the fifth time. Actually, when I started writing it, it just went someplace completely different. You know, it was the same three people, the same room, everything, but it did something totally different. And I was like, "Oh, that's where I was trying to go." And um, so, I think that's kind of the same process that I used to do only in my head when I was writing plays because of the fact that I was working on it so much when I was out running. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but now I don't run anymore. Now i rock climb climbing to take boxing lessons. And neither of those are particularly good for musing on other ideas. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can get hurt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you need to pay attention to what you're doing.
0: <laughs> um, it's, you know, there are, skills that you learn in playwriting and in theater mm-hmm. um, that certainly are, are transferable, but not all of them. I, oh, I, it no, doesn't yeah. mean you know if you're a playwright it doesn't mean that you can write novels and vice versa because they are different. But the two that I think of that, that are transferable are dialogue mm-hmm. um, and and structure. Yes. Um, the, the dramatic structure of a play is very much like the dramatic structure, structure. of a novel, especially a crime novel right you know with the through right. th- three-act structure and even if you it's you know a shorter play it's still got a three-act structure you know right. midpoints yes. character turns and everything else do you did you find when you started to write the book that it's it just made sense to you as because of you know of of letting your imagination go and trying to imagine what these characters were doing, but you, that maybe the muscle of structure was feeding into the, and this is going to give me forward momentum in the story.
1: I definitely do. Um And one of the things that I always was strong at in plays was my structure was just solid. Mm-hmm. Always. Um Even if I didn't get, you know everything right the structure would be completely solid and most of the time it, if i did rewrite something it was generally like adding something in where somebody said well I, we think we need a break here can you right. you know and so i would you know change like a little section to give it a break and um you know things of, of that sort but structure i think was always something that i had in my head and I, and it, it was something that came relatively naturally to me. But I think that that's from two things. One was that I loved watching mystery TV shows and I was never big on family shows or comedies per se, but I loved mysteries and then I also read like crazy. I mean, I'm one of those people that I, I've been known to have three books going at once because they're in three different places. <laughs> and so every time I'm in that place, I sit down and read that book, and then I, you know, and um, and so I think that having read just an incredible swath of novels. And mm-hmm. I read everything. I read science fiction. I read mystery. Um, you know, I read true crime, even a little bit at the beginning, never got that interested in it because I was like, no, I want to, I want my own people. I don't want true people. And yeah. I, <laughs> I want to be able to, to make what I want happen, happen. And, um, so I, but I also, I read urban fantasy, uh when that, first started becoming really popular. Uh, I read a lot of urban fantasy and I love those novels and, but they all have very similar structures Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and they all have very similar approaches to dialogue Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and character function. And I think that was something that really worked for me when I wrote plays. And it was something that then has worked for me when I've written in the, the books. Um, because I, I understand that, you know, I, I had that in my head because that's what I read and that was what I watched and it was what I listened to. So it was, it was really, for me, it was fun. And I didn't have to think about structure. I just wrote.
0: It made sense to you as as the story came to you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When you are a playwright, it is a very collaborative process. You know, as you said, Mm -hmm. you can sit with a director and they could say, we need a break. Or, you know, an actor may may bring something to a role that, you know, brings something or designers or budgets. I mean, there's a lot to it when you're a novelist, (laughs) you are playing all those roles yourself. You're the director and the costume designer and the set designer and, you know, the casting agent and everything else. Did you enjoy the freedom of that? uh, And and when you started to write novels, because, you know, plays can be I mean, it's amazing the things that can affect a playwright. For instance, cast sizes, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially in modern days. Yeah. We don't write big casts because it, it costs more to put them on. But in a play, in a book, you can, you know, as I long can. as you, you,
1: can. Yeah. you can do all kinds of things. Yeah. And when I was writing plays all the time, I occasionally had somebody say to me, are you interested in writing a book? And I would go, well, the thing is, it's really nice about plays is if I need somebody to leave the room, I just say he exits. So, <laughs> and I don't have to worry about all of the extraneous stuff. Everybody right. deals with all of that. Um, and so, uh, and I often wrote things that didn't require ultra realistic sets. Um, one of the reasons for that, of course, was because it's less expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, my, the largest play I have, I think, has five characters. I don't think I ever wrote anything that was over five. And so, you know, it is a whole new ballgame because, you know, now suddenly if somebody leaves a room, I've got to, you know, kind of say, why the hell they decided to do that? (laughs) (laughs) I I can't just um, and so that was a change. Um, and it is more fun to be able to do more characters and to bring animals in. Like I like to put dogs in my books. Um, I found that to be a, a lot of fun. Oh, I can finally do a dog. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is cool. Um, cause I really love dogs. And, uh, and so that was interesting to me. And, and i could specify like with my plays i often wouldn't get very specific about ages or what someone looked like or anything of that sort because I, I i that wasn't my job my job was to write the words and to write the story and i took i took the position that i also didn't design the set so I would put what was essential. You know, that I need a bed in this one. I yep. need a telephone in this one. And that was all I would put into it because it was not my place to do those things. They're going, there are other people. That's their jobs. And mm-hmm. I stayed out of those jobs. Um, I didn't write stage directions other than exits and entrances. I also didn't uh, write how the line was to be read, whether it was, uh, you know, I didn't put in pauses. I didn't put in the, um, the things angrily or anything because none of that was my business. That was between the director and the actor. And I heard it in my head in a certain way. And I figured if I wrote the line right, it would be read that way. And that worked out really well. (laughs) I never had a problem with that. But sometimes somebody would do something a little different. I go, Ooh, that's cool that that line can be read a little differently than I heard it. And, um, and so I enjoyed that. I liked the fact that I just handed the script off and then all those other people did all that work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that was really, that was really nice. But, um, I find that when I write books now, that one of the things I don't do is I don't, I don't use a lot of adjectives or adverbs. Mm -hmm. um, Because once again, I think to some degree, the reader's going to have it in their head. And if I've got the setting right and the words right, they will understand how that's being said. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's actually an advantage that I have over people who've never written a play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if, if a reader hears it a little differently, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. You know? And, uh, and so that's, that works really nicely for me. Um, and one of the things though that was great was that when people read the book, one of the the feedback that I got immediately was how real the people felt. And, you know, everybody loved the characters and they understood the characters and they knew what they wanted and everything. And it was all very crystal clear to them. And I think that a lot of that came out of playwriting.
0: And, you know, as a you've been writing for a long time in different in different genres, but talk to me about building your craft as a novelist. Um, you know, did you take classes, get critique groups? How did you how did you build that skill set?
1: Well, I uh, I started out with being in some writers groups and had mixed success with it there were some people that were really really good at feedback and then there were an awful lot of people who would be in critique critique groups you know where it was kind of you know like we're just going to let a certain number of people into this room and i I would find that some people were so involved with what they were writing that they didn't listen to anybody else's Mm -hmm. work. And that was not helpful to me. And so then what I started doing was, um, I would maybe let a friend read it, but that, that was eh, not necessarily a particularly good way to do it. And uh, and my husband is a, an artist; he's a visual artist. And uh, but he's a very good reader. He likes to read. And so I started handing him the manuscripts to proofread for one thing because I I I'm terrible at proofreading my own work. Oh, just horrendous. And so I would hand him the manuscript when it was finished and say. Read this and proofread it for me. And what I found was that he's not only incredibly good at proofreading, but he's incredibly good at saying, I don't think this works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really understand this. What's going on here? Um, you know, or and having questions. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's because he's got that artistic mindset. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and he's a reader and he also, you know, is like me. He watches, we watch the same things. Although these days, a lot of it's sports. <laughs> We're both big baseball fans. Um, but one of the things that happened was that I realized he's really good at saying, I don't understand this. I think you need something more here. And I was like, wow, this is great. It's like having your own little built-in editor in the room. And so, um, I run it through him and then I send it to the editor. Um, although this, the second book hasn't been through him yet because actually he and I are involved in a freelance project that's completely, that has nothing to do with the things either of us do. <laughs> um, we're, um, helping a friend write his memoir and oh. Pat's doing the photographs for it. And I'm, I'm just transcribing what he's written. So, but Pat's now doing the proofreading of it. And so, you
0: know, yeah. Uh, different, different energies. I mean, we only have so much energy to do. Yes. With things.
1: Yes. So, uh so this book, the second book, he didn't get to read it before I sent it to my editor, Um, but he will read it. When I do the final draft, when I get the notes
0: back, talk to me about again as a writer. You know, what's the best piece of writing advice you've gotten, or that you give? And what's what do you think is harmful advice? Uh, I find it interesting when we're talking about critique groups that it's it's important to recognize when it's not working for you, mm-hmm. or when it, you're not getting what you you need yeah, out, of, you it need out of it, and to leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not to try and make it work um yes. because time is precious, and also that can be detrimental, so you know um so so what what kind of advice do you hang on to as you as as a writer?
1: Well, I think the thing to do is uh is listen to writers whose work you've read and you respect um if you even if it's in a critique group, read what those people are writing. And is it interesting to you? Because one of the things that I find is people who aren't interested in reading other people's work are generally too involved with their own work to give good critiques. Mm-hmm. But people who are willing to have you read their work and actually listen to what you have to say about it are going to be very good about doing the same thing for you. Um, but you need to find people that write in a way that you like. I I think it's very hard for, like if I'm working with someone who doesn't write uh, mysteries or doesn't write really character-driven things as I do, that it's going to be very difficult for us to critique each other's work because we, we don't have the same approaches. We don't have the same kind of thoughts about it. Um, our structures are going to be really different. Um, and I think that it's important to find people that, that you have kind of similar mindsets with. Um, one of the people who's given me, who gave me great advice about being a debut author was Alan Orloff. Alan was fabulous. He sat me down. He says, okay, this is what you need to do. And he just started doing, 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 because he says, you only write a debut novel once.
0: Yeah. It's
1: and true. it was very helpful. And I really worked hard to try to make it happen. Uh, didn't make all of it happen because, you know, just it's, it's difficult, you know, to make all of the contacts and things that you need. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got a lot done and I did, uh, appear on some panels at conferences and things like that where I was able to make connections with readers. And that was really nice. Uh, and he had, had kind of guided me into that and gave me a lot of really wonderful advice. And I mean, I was making notes. I'm, you know, I'm writing <laughs> the whole time I talking. And, um, and so that was wonderful. Um, the other, another person who is, is a really good person for me in terms of reading stuff is um, there's a writer, Loretta Sue Ross, and she did a series uh, that uh, were called, it looked like the title was death and the redheaded woman, but it was actually deep and the redheaded woman. And uh, because that was the character's name and uh, she, had a, a series of books that came out, and then unfortunately her publisher went under. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, she is now in the process of kind of restarting that. And it, uh, but she is really good when she reads something at giving me feedback about setting. And, mm-hmm. and the feel of things. And she'll go, you know, I, I just felt like I was right there and she'll go, this is the, you know, these things really informed me and gave me that image. And I knew where I was. And, and that's excellent. And she also, because of having gone through the process of being a new author was able to give me a lot of feedback and, and introduce me to people and talk about you know, what it's like. Mm-hmm. So I've had some really wonderful people. Uh, Neil uh, Plaxate was, <laughs> uh, he was wonderful also. Uh, Neil and I have known each other uh, online for a couple of decades. And uh, he was really interesting. I met him at Malice Domestic when I, you know, face-to-face for the first time when I won the grant. And he said, so what are you writing? And I started telling him and he go, no, that's not what, no, it, this is this, this is this type of mystery. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. All right. That's what I'm writing. All right. So I use that word. Okay. You know, and he was really good at informing me how to talk about my book and how to describe it to people and mm-hmm. what it was that What I was writing should be called because people in, you know, who are readers and in the industry would know these words and they would Mm -hmm. recognize what type of book it was. And I was like, it was wonderful. So, you know, I had a lot of really good people um, that that kind of helped guide me through this first book, and I really liked it, and uh, and I had a wonderful editor, Harriet Wasserman Sackler was the editor of the first book. Um, she's retired now, so Sean Riley Simmons will be the editor of the second book, and so, you know, we're in the process of kind of learning about each other, and I, and I really like her, and so I'll see what she has to say about the book, and we'll go from there,
0: well, you mentioned going to Malice and winning that that uh, uh, grant and going again. Uh, can you, let's talk about community and how uh, how important that is. And again, you have a theater background, so that uh, you know theater is about collaboration. So it that it's sort of in your in your ethos anyway. I mean, it, you you know about that. But for the crime writing, um, were you surprised at how important community is?
1: Not at all. Not at all. Um, in fact, when I was working on the book, uh, I have an unofficially adopted daughter. I have no children of my own, but there's a young woman that I met when she was quite young and I could have been her mother. And then um, and her parents, in fact, used to joke that that Pat and I were her Gainesville mother and father and because uh, she was up here in school. And she, uh, her boyfriend is a, a former police officer. And so when I was talking to them about what I was writing, I asked him, you know, I'm writing about a sheriff's department. He says, oh, I, I worked in the sheriff's department, you know, and I said, oh, cool. And I said, how are they structured? And he sat down with me and actually gave me the entire structure, told me how in the state of Florida, you know, the the salary of the sheriff is decided. Um, and it's actually legislated. You know, there's a minimum amount that any county can pay their sheriff. And I thought, wow, that's really, you know, so it's not based on their tax structure or anything. It's a legislated amount that's decided in Tallahassee. So, you know, I had wonderful people like that you know, as, as well as other writers. And I think, I think you need that. You need those connections. And I have made a lot of friends, um, who are writers. And, and one of the things that's happened is, you know, as we've discovered each other, um, you know, and we've read each other's work, some of us have realized oh, we we are like super fans of each other, and um uh, so right now I have two books that I've been asked to read by the authors, and and that's a very interesting thing for me. I I got asked to do my first blurb, and <laughs> it's for a guy who I read his first book last year, his you know, his it was his debut mystery he'd written a novel before it but it was his debut mystery and uh i read his book and i just i was like i wrote him and i was like albert this is fabulous this is i love this book i in fact when i closed it at home i you know i said to Pat, oh my god this book is great and um so i wrote to him and his it's albert wait is his name and he is, it's just he Writes a tremendous um, small town chief of police. It's a small town in Maine, and so they actually have a police department. Where what I write about is a county where they don't have police. They only oh. have the sheriff's department because it's it's a a, a rural county, and there's only eighteen thousand people in it. And so you know, but we found that there were a lot of similarities in how we write about our people, and so. That was great. You know, it was wonderful. And then, um, David Putnam, uh, is someone who, uh, has, has written a lot of books and he, you know, he gave me a book at a conference. We were on a panel together and he says, Oh, here's one of my books. If you want to read it, he says, this is, this is my latest one in this series. And I, I read it and I really liked it. And then he said, let me give you this other book in my series. So he mailed it to me and it's, and it's a new series. And I read the book and I was blown away. I just thought it was an amazing book. And Michael Connolly blurbed his book. Holy crap. <laughs> it is, but it really is excellent. And he's a former police officer. And um, so it was just, you know, now we're kind of, you know, into this thing of sharing and talking to each other about writing and, you know, we do it via email, but it, he's very much a part of my community, you know, mm-hmm. as is Alan Orloff, as is Loretta Sue Ross, you know, as is Neil, you know, all of these people have become a part of my community and it's very, very nice.
0: When did you join Sisters in Crime? At what point in your, in your journey? Hmm.
1: I joined Sisters in Crime, I think, in 2012, and um, now one of the reasons I joined Sisters in Crime is, of course, being a playwright, I've been a member of the Dramatist Guild mm-hmm. since I was a student. I started out with uh, the associate membership that is a student kind of membership, and now I'm a full-fledged voting member because I've had plays that were uh, reviewed and Uh, the Los Angeles Times and the New York Times. So that was something that I really had a lot of experience with. The Dramatist Guild is great about supporting writers and they have wonderful information. And a couple of times when I had problems with the production, you know, they were willing to step in and back me up. And so when I, uh, was at Malice Domestic for the, to receive the grant, um, I saw the sisters in crime. And I thought, well, this is a good group because their whole point is to support writers in this community, you know, doing this thing. And so I joined and really got good information right away. People were really nice. And I met more Sisters in Crime members when I was, you know, going out, um, like when I was at the Writers Police Academy. I met several there. Um, and then the more contact I had with people online, the more I also had contact with people who were in Sisters in Crime. And it was just a tremendous organization in terms of giving me a sense of what the business was like and, and having a sense of community and knowing that, you know, I was not alone. <laughs> doing this and uh i i'm a big believer in that organizations like that are very important to us and i think that you know yes we should definitely take advantage of it and become members but we also have to recognize that we then become a part of this community too so we have to be willing to give as much as we're getting and Mm -hmm. i got a lot I got a lot of encouragement from people and I had a lot of people say very nice things about, you know, starting out and, you know, this is a thing you can try and you can do this and, you know, and that was great. And so I liked that. I liked the fact that I would get information. Um, I did sit in on, you know, some podcasts and meetings and things to hear people, um, as I also did that with some conferences, like apparently, especially during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, I did uh, a couple of conferences that were online and one of them was great because one of my big idols is Val McDermott. And I love, um, her series with Tony, you know, and Carol and, um, and so it was wonderful to me to get to hear her talk. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was just, you know, I, I thought this is really amazing to have this kind of access to people in the industry, people who are, you know, that I've read and I, I love these I loved that. And so sisters in crime has been very valuable. And what's nice is, you know, that, you start out, you can start out and not be published <laughs> not be anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they have this level that you can come in and, and there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, I've never done nano write. It's just not been a thing that I ever did. Uh, probably because I was spending 10 years writing a book. <laughs> so, you know, it didn't didn't really fit in with what I was trying to do. Um, uh, but it was uh, but they do have things like that, you know, where the Nano write month of November and mm-hmm. you know, where people can actually you know participate together, and that's a that's a great thing. And I saw those things happening. um, I just wasn't participating because I was still trying to write the same damn book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think um one of the things in Nano when we started sponsoring it, we started to add write-ins and now we still have these write-ins, which are mm-hmm. surprisingly effective, you know, writing with people all at the same time, you know, in these 25 minute sprints online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't know why it works, but it does work. So I, I do think that there's the encouragement, even if you don't participate, just knowing something's happening makes you yeah. feel better um, about it. Yeah. Yeah. What has um <clears throat> I mean you've had an interesting journey with your publishing career because of Malice Domestic and because of that that award and, and meeting Harriet and, and doing And then ending all up with the, level
1: best. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I didn't go through a lot of the querying thing.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Which was a different journey. Yeah.
0: Yes, a different journey. But has anything about the publishing journey? Surprised you? Um, you know, as opposed, cause it is, again, it's just different than playwriting.
1: Um. um, I don't think as much because, and part of this may be I, um, I ran a writers conference here in Gainesville for oh. like nine years for an organization. And so I had brought in a lot of editors and authors and people. Uh, Utah, you know, who did all different kinds of things I you know I brought in poets, I brought in um, dramatists and I brought in you know mystery novelists and memoir people and so I just had a lot of variety and I also brought in editors and agents, and I learned as much as probably the people who were going to the conference as you know just conference attendants because of the fact that I spent a lot of time talking to these yeah. people. Yeah. And um, it was very educational to me. And in fact, uh, when I got my first book contract, I knew an editor. And I said, would you read this and tell me if this is, you know, what they are supposed to look like? Because I have no idea. I've not seen one. I've seen freelance contracts. I've seen contracts for plays, but I don't know what this is supposed to look like. And he read it for me and gave me a couple of points to ask about and said, you know, otherwise I think it's perfectly fine. And uh, they, they were willing to give me a couple of the points that he had suggested I ask for. And we just, and you know, then he said, yeah, now sign it. You're okay. And that was very helpful, you know, it, and, uh, so I wasn't, I don't think I felt quite as lost as someone who doesn't have those kinds of contacts. And that was a very distinct advantage because, you know, I get a book contract and I look at it and I go, I have no idea what's the norm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No,
1: none, I, no idea at all. So. You know, and I know this is a smaller press, so I need to, you know, have that taken into consideration. And the editor that I was talking to is someone who had been with smaller presses. So I knew he would know exactly what I was looking at. And he, I, you know, sent him an email and he said, yes, I'll be glad to look at it yeah. and I'll give you feedback on it. And um, that was really wonderful to have that because I don't have an agent. Um, you know, I, I didn't go through the query process. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't send things out into the, you know, the darkness, (laughs) not have any idea who was reading them. Um, and so I, I really was at a very distinct advantage and I think that I was less surprised about things. Mm -hmm. Um, and the marketing aspect of it was not as surprising to me as it might have been to other people because of people like Alan Orloff and Loretta Sue Ross and Neil uh, Plaxi, who, you know, talked to me about, you know, how this is going to go. And that was yep. very, very helpful.
0: Yeah. Having conversations and asking Um, makes a big difference.
1: Yes. So, you know, I, I wasn't hit with as many surprises. I did have some bumps along the road, but I wasn't hit with as many surprises.
0: Yeah. I think bumps are, are the norm. (laughs) Oh, bumps are definitely the norm.
1: (laughs) They are. And, uh, and what's really nice is, you know, uh, when I would have a bump come along, I would meet someone who'd say, Oh, happened to me. (laughs) Yes. And that was, that was great, you know, to get that feedback. Oh, yep. Had that happen. Understand, know exactly what you're going through. And it's, it, you know, it's miserable, but you know, you'll get past this. (laughs)
0: Well, and as you mentioned, the opacity of the publishing industry doesn't help because nobody talks about things. (laughs) You know, you can't find out what a contract should look like. You can reach out to the authors' guild and they can certainly help and and they're their their folks, but it's, you know, you gotta do a lot of work yourself to to know if you're on the right path.
1: Yes, you do. And and you know, and that's That's one of the things I think like small writers conferences and things are great for writers Mm -hmm. because of the fact that if you can go into things where they bring in agents and editors and people like that who can educate you about it, you're not going to see what a contract looks like, but you're going to hear about how this works. And how uh-huh. people are going to present it to you and to not be shocked <laughs> by what's going to come along. And yeah. I think that's just invaluable. And the nine years I spent running that conference was great. And I had been to other writers' conferences. And so I had a lot of experience listening to people and hearing them talk about things. And it was a wonderful experience. It was great that I knew about doing that.
0: Yeah. Well, as I mentioned you know, before we started recording this, I love that you, you, a theater person, you know, who's moved into novel writing because I do think uh, they are two different worlds equally Mm -hmm. as opaque and challenging. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the the skills as a a playwright, I admire tremendously because I I don't have those skills of just Mm -hmm. through dialogue and through Without backstory, without internal monologue, making a story happen—I just think a playwright or screenplay writer as well. Uh, it's a—it's a skill I don't have. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and it's—I think that that's one of the things that is wonderful to have done because of the fact telling a story through dialogue is probably one of the toughest ways you'll ever do it yeah and and i just you know i think that you know to me it's it it just seemed something natural and i don't know why i mean i don't know why my brain worked that way but it did um and so it wasn't a complicated thing for me i could see a way to do it Um, you know, I, it was a learning process, of course, you know, I mean, it always is, but you know, the concept of doing that was not frightening at all. Yeah. Um, and I have friends who are screenwriters and I have friends who are playwrights. And so, you know, there was that community aspect of it. And, um, and, you know, people who are directors, I, you know, I have, I have this, this world out there that I've made contacts with, that's really nice. And, um, new actors, you know, and and everything. And which was kind of a fascinating and wonderful world for me because acting was something I never wanted to do. (laughs) I did a little bit of it in college because it was required. If you were a theater major, you had to do it. But I was a theater major because I wanted to write plays. And, and so, you know, studying theater, uh, you know, it was like, okay, design a set, do lights. And I was like, guys, I'm not going to do any of that. Crap. <laughs> they were like, doesn't matter. You want to graduate? Yes, yeah. You got to graduate. And so I actually ended up finally getting my degree in creative writing because it was like, I was, they were killing me with this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was terrible at directing and I was terrible at set design and I was terrible at lighting. Oh my God. Lighting was, uh, and, and I was even doing things like, you know, I was in a small community college and part of what I had to do as a theater major was that I had to set lights. I had to go out on the comp catwalks and set lights and the, some of the lights outweighed me at that point. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so it was really funny because the, the guy who was, who did all the lighting normally would go up with me and He would say, now you, you know, you're going to have to set this because this is one of the things that's required. He says, but I'm going to be here to keep you from blowing it up. And I said, okay. (laughs) And, uh, but he found out that he also had to like hang on to the back of my pants because I would lean over with the light to be mounting on, on the catwalk and it would try to pull me over because it outweighed me. And uh, and he was like, yeah, that's a little frightening. I don't have that. problem. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it was good that I had that. It was good mm-hmm. that I got exposed to all that. And um, and then when I what happened was I actually was uh, at the University of Georgia in the theater department. And I um, in my senior year, I dropped out because I was going to school full time and working full time and I was exhausted. And. I moved to Gainesville and uh, applied to the University of Florida and they have a creative writing department. And so I said, well, I'm going to major in creative writing because it doesn't require all those extra hours at night. Yeah. And, and that will be easier on me since I'm still working full time. And so I finished up my degree. My senior year took me two years, but I got it done.
0: Yeah. Quite the journey, quite the creative journey. It sounds like you're continuing a creative journey. Um, But this has been a lot of fun and a great conversation about writing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Oh, I've enjoyed it. It's been, I love talking about writing. I I, I don't get enough opportunities to do it. Um, I have some, you know, like I said, I have friends that are writers, but um, most of them are, are distant. I don't have very many friends, you know, right here. I, I have a couple of friends locally and, uh, and that's nice, but I don't get to do it as much as I would like.
0: Yep. It's a, it's one of the, one of the wonderful things is finding that small group of people who you can mm-hmm. talk to about it. Cause it does make the journey a lot more fun.
1: Oh, it does. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful, you know, like Alan, Alan Orloff is just an absolute, doll and has the driest sense of humor ever and uh one of the things that i adore about him is poking him and he pokes back (laughs) and uh, so we've just had a wonderful you know a really wonderful uh friendship over the years and i i I have been so thankful for that and uh, i met him at malice as well and so i've I've had a lot of good contacts come through the conferences
0: yeah well thank you so much for a great conversation
1: well thank you for having me i appreciate it it's been lovely
0: thank you for being with us today sisters in crime is about community